You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is the next entry in the series we've called The Gaonic Era, Recovering Walls and Gems. And I have to say that this period that we're going to talk about does touch on the Gaonic Era, but the Gaon that we're talking about is not Rav Acha, and it's not Rav Yehudoi, a Gaonim that we've mentioned before, or, um, or Rav Nachshon Gaon, or, or Rav Shrira Gaon. Uh, we're talking about someone who got the title Gaon, or was universally called Gaon, but didn't live in that period. Now, I guess we should take a step back and figure out what what, what does that term Gaon mean? Um, the Meiri um, uh, says that despite the connection etymologically to the word Gaya, something that's exalted and and great, like the term Gaiva that we know, or as we say in Oziyoshir, Ki Go'o Gaya, right? That God is is beyond and great. Gaon sounds like great, great greatness in Torah. The Miri says he has a, a, tr- a tradition. The Miri writes that there's a tradition that Gaon is connected to the gematria of the word Gaon, right? The gematria of the word Gaon, Nun is 50, Vav is 6, that's 56, plus 1 is 57, and plus 3 makes 60. And there were, there were 60 Mesechtas and Shas. A Gaon was someone who knew by heart the 60 Mesechtas of Shas. And that includes, I guess, the Mesechtas Ketanos and, and obviously everything in Zeroyim and smaller things. That was where they said 60 Gaon comes from, or at least it's connected to that. Which meant to be given the title Gaon, you had to really know your stuff and not just be conversant but be head and shoulders beyond. And although I mentioned the Rambam's opinion that not everybody who had that title was deservant of it, post the period of the Gaonim, in other words, when we're already in the period of the Achronim, to refer to someone consistently as the Goin meant that he was above and beyond everyone in his generation. Now, I have to tell you that I received a letter recently from the outfit that employs me in some way, and they said, L'chobet Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything, all right? And there's a lot of people out there that they'll call Harav Um and, and it's almost expected that if you don't get called Harav that there's something wrong with you. But to be called the Goin, or to be called the Goin of a certain city, like the Vilner Goin, right? it meant that he was above and beyond. The title indicates that everyone recognized within them that this was someone, a generation that had Rabbi Yaakov and the Rabbi Yonason Ibishitz, that had the Shagas Aryeh. <laughs> I mean, you had here people that, uh, the, 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 the Rabbi Yechesko Lando, those four all lived, were contemporaries of the Vilner Goin. And we could also add in, in that respect Rav Shner Zalman of Liadi, younger own in a in a environment of in, of incredibly great, prolific, wonderful writers, thinkers, postkim, 
that meant that you stand above and beyond. And that was the assumption about Rebellio of Vilna. A similar assumption was made about Rabbi Yosef Rosen, who uh, was born in 1858. He died two years short of his 80th birthday, 78 years old, 1936. And he, as I said, was the Gaon of the 20th century. There, and I, I spoke to a friend of mine who's quite knowledgeable in, 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 in the ins and outs of rabbinic literature and, and, and of rabbinic life, and he couldn't think of too many others. There was the Gon of Chibin, who was uh, Rabdoiv Beresh Wienenfeld, the, Chib- the Gon of Chibin, but there aren't that other many. Rav Moshe Feinstein was not known as the Gon, right? Uh, Rav Yashiv was not, is not known as the Goin, Rav Yashiv. The, the Goin, the Ragachover, Rabbi Yosef Rosen was known from the city that he had lived in, the Ragach, even when he was the Rav in Dvinsk, when he, which, was a, which was a significant city. He was the Rav of the Chesidish Kehillah in Dvinsk, in Denenberg. I'm sorry, uh, how about the Stipler? Was he the Stipler Gaon? So people applied that appellation, but not really. They called him the stipler, the harness stipler. I used to hear that as well, the stipler going. And I think there's books written that way. And you know what? We could add him as a possible. But 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 the exceptions prove the rule, right? The exceptions prove the rule. Even Rav Chaim was called Sarah Taira, but he wasn't called um, the going. It's interesting that, that Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin points out that he noticed that this title about um, Sar HaTayra, he found that in describing the Ragachova, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, he found that popping up consistently. He said that, he says that the Tzgedeilim and the Tzadikim, when they spoke about the Ragachova, they called him the Ragachova Goin, and they called him the Sar HaTayra. Again, we hear that about Rav, Rav, uh, Rav Chaim, there's a joke that they that I have heard from my Rebbe that when 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 Rav Zalman Strotskin died, they put up a uh, a shelet that he had died in I think it was 1963 or four maybe it was a little bit later, um, and the sign said that Niftar Saratayra. So supposedly Rabbi Chesko Sarno, who was the Roshivan Chevron, walked by and noticed the. The, the shalat, he noticed the, the announcement in big letters, the Sarah Tayro, and he says, Sarah Tayro. I mean, he wrote a nice little safer, it's a beautiful work, and it's a very important work. But then he said, No, no, Verzuk does the Sarah Brio Starzaina doctor. Who says that the person who's in, in, in the Israeli government, who's the head of the, um, the health department, has to be himself be a doctor? He, he needs to know how to manage things. So he sort of like made fun of the fact that you cannot put that appellation. Here's my point. Sarah Taira, I think, also indicates what people thought about the Ragachover. But just the fact that they called him the Ragachover going showed that in a generation that had people like his, the person who lived in the same city as him, Rameir Simcha. Rameir Simcha was, as, as we know, the brilliance of the Meshachachma and the Orsameach. And of course, Rukhaya Moiser, who was in uh, Vilna, uh, the Chazonish, 
this was a generation, you know, Galat al-Khazanish really uh, 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 was really elevated a little bit later, Rabbi David Karlina, uh, Rabbi David Friedman, um, the Chafetz Chaim himself, of course, lived until he just uh, a year before that, and others. And yet, the Chafetz Chaim was not called the Radin or Goin, right? Uh, Rav Tali Trump was not called, right? Rav Shimon Shkop. <laughs> None of these Rav Chodan Wasserman. None of these great men who, Rav Baruch Ber Leibovich, the Ragachover was known as the Goin. The Ragachover Goin. Rav Chaim Brisker was not known as the Brisker Goin. He was known as the Brisker Rov. Okay, what, what am I trying to prove here? What I'm trying to show here is that people have a way of understanding and they give these appellations because the Ragachover was, in a way, a throwback. There was, it was impossible to really comprehend his level of learning and understanding. When we talk about the 60 Mesechtas of Shas by the, in the Ragachover's lexicon, the way he wrote and what he seemed to keep consistently putting to the table was not just every place in Shas and all the Rashis and 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 and, and Tesis and, and relevant Rishonim, but of course every Rambam, including Marinavuchim and Safra, Sifri, Tesefta, Mechilta, and Mesechtas Ktanais, Kol Roz They when they were once speaking about to. Um, to Rav Meir Simcha, who was the Rav of the Lithuanian community in Denenberg and Dvinsk, they said, people say that the, Rav, 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 the Ragachovel has a good Zikoroin, that his Zikoroin is unmatched. He doesn't have a good Zikoroin. A Zikoroin means that you have the information and it, it's lodged somewhere and you're able to bring it out. That's what Zohar is. That it's, it's not... It's not ex, it's not playing an active role, but then something happens and you're able to to bring it to the fore completely. The rocket shover doesn't it never goes in the back. It's everything is constantly in front of him. Everything is in front of the rocket shover consistently. It's not about being about Zikora. And of course, this is really one of the things that the rocket shover was known for is that not only did he have all the learning in front of him, but he never stopped learning. And it wasn't just, oh, he's a tremendous masmid, but his understanding was head and shoulders beyond because he would be able to answer the most complex, difficult questions from sources that were at his fingertips that we saw a little bit of this in Rav Chaim Kanievsky, who was nifter a couple of months ago, but nothing to the, uh, the whirlwind the power and quickness of the Rakhichovel, and um, and that is why um, you know I, I think you know in in what I consider one of the great masterpieces of 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 literature that took the measure of these greats of that generation, Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin's Ishim Veshitot, Ishim Veshitos the section on the Ragachovu is 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 mind-blowing. It's one of the longest sections in the book. And I, and I have it here in front of me. You can see if you if you can see me there, I'm holding the book up here. Um the 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 people that he deals with, and these were based on you know long newspaper articles that Rav Zevin wrote, is the Nitziv, Rav Chaim Salvechik, Rav Meir Simcha that I mentioned before, Rav Chaim Oizer. Rav Kook, 
Rav Moshe Mordechai Epstein, the Chevron of Rosh Hashiva, Rav Baruch the Kamenitz Rosh Hashiva, the Chazon Ish, and Rav Yisrael Zalman Meltzer. Those, that's quite a lineup. And I'm going to tell you that the Ragachover, the amount of pages is from 87 to 155. So if you do your math, that is 68 pages on the Ragachover. More than any other author in the book. Of all these great men, Reb Zevin had more. And Reb Zevin is not a, a writer who suffers from, um, you know, just repeating himself. Reb Zevin is a, is a brilliant writer who understood the men he was talking about. And the Ragachover is in the plays the largest role in this book. So we talk about Gaonim. This is the 20th century Gaon, the Ragachover. Is the Ragachover accessible to us? Um, and, and, and how does he play into the other Gaonim? So I'm going to actually connect the Ragachover to the other Gaonim and actually a, 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 um, a sequel to our last year that we had a couple of weeks ago. The last year that we had was about Mumar, was about Chalitza's Mumar. And the Ragachover himself was involved in such a case. <coughs> the case happened to involve his own daughter, who <coughs> was married to a Rav in Pesach Tikva in Eretz Yisrael, and her husband died, leaving her without children, himself without children. And the man had two brothers. One of them was a Mishumid, one of them was someone who was a practicing Christian, and the other was a apikairus, a person who had given up, maybe a complete communist, a person who didn't believe, who didn't keep any mitzvahs, but basically said, uh, okay, I, I might be born a Jew, I might say that on my passport, but I have nothing to do with any mitzvah whatsoever, of total machal Shabbos, did every uh, didn't keep one mitzvah bechlal. Now, all right. So the woman needs chalitza. So the ragetchovel paskin for his daughter that she should get chalitza from the Christian, the one who was saying he's a Christian. One of the reasons was is because it seemed when they read the tea leaves that he seemed to be more open to the idea. And this this came in front of the Besden in Berlin for some reason. I'm not sure why. And this uh, developed into a debate between the Ragachover and another one of the stars of that, of that generation, Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg, known as the Sriday Eish. And I want to really uh, uh, go into this rift between them and read some of the most uh, direct comments that you're ever going to read about one Godel writing about another. And this isn't just about a scandal sheet, but it's really about the nature of what a person can do in learning and how much we have to bow and be connected to the Mesorah and the uh, evolution of a development of halachic thinking. 
Now, before I start, I do want to mention the fact that there's been a very big debate um, that uh, you know aficionados of this era have is who was the greater brain, the Ragachover or Rav Chaim, because the Ragachover actually studied for a while with Rav Chaim's father, with Rabbi Yosef Dov Salvechik, known as the Beis Halevi. They were both small children learning together for a while under the Beis Halevi. So they were friends. Ragachover was younger, but they were friends for a while. And um, there's always been some question as to who represents the greatest of that rev- of, of those of those early 20th century Talmudic geniuses. Was it Chaim Soloveitchik or Yosef Rosen? Those are basically the two candidates. I have to tell you that in in Rabbi Kamenetsky's book, The Making of a Godel, I'm not sure if you've uh, seen that book, but it's quite famous. Um, Mark Shapiro wrote a, a recently a, a re a new appreciation of the book 20 years after its publication um, in in the in the Jew, Jewish review of books that came out a couple of months ago and it's available online which you can read it uh, what Professor Shapiro writes but in that book um, there's actually uh, uh, some Lithuanian carping about how the Ragachover was not as great as everybody thought he was, and that there were people who, who felt Rav Chaim was clearly, clearly the superior, and the Ragachover was 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 not there. Again, I think from the Chassidish world and others, the Lubavitcher Rebbe proudly talks about the fact that he uh, um, received smicha from the Ragachover. Uh, he would be a very, he was a very young man when he came into contact with the Ragachover, but the Ragachover was there. What's interesting is that the Ragachover did not follow um, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson. Um, he was a Talmud uh, in the generation before that of the Rebbe Rashab. He was actually a, a Talmud of the Kapuster, which was a sort of a splinter group from Chabad. But Chabad, despite the fact that he was by Kapust, once Kapust sort of like you know, sort of like dissipated. It became sort of part of the greater Lubavitch. The, the Rakichover has now become one of the most important uh, touchstones for Chabad thinking. If you go to Chabad yeshivas, uh, you'll see that they studied the Rakichover's forum and that the Rebbe himself uh, was known to, uh, to often cite the Rakichover, uh, even when there were other clearer writings uh, that he could have cited. And that's an, another element of the Ragachover is that that he there was a dichotomy within him. Um, he wrote in a very terse manner. Uh, according to people who used to hear shear from him when he would give shiurim, and he always did in in, in in Dvinsk, his he was you could you would be mesmerized by the brilliance and the depth of how he spoke. But when he wrote, he wrote in. Bikitzer Nimrats in Meir Makaimus. And, you know, the famous story is that, um, you know, he would answer questions uh, from all over the world. And there was a Rav who, um, who sent him a certain question. 
the Ruf felt he's got to send the question to the biggest genius in the generation, the Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Ragachove. And a letter came back. And when the, when the letter was opened, they scanned all this. It was a number of sources. I'm not sure how many. It might have been 35 different sources or 40, uh, perhaps even 100. I don't remember. Shows you that I'm not really much of a of a ragged shover type person at all. But there were all these sources, and the person was so happy that he got the answer, because what now? Now that he got the answer, he tried to he would try by looking at all these sources like a puzzle to figure out what the answer to his question was. When he started looking at all the sources, he noticed a common thread to all of them, and that was that each of those sources dealt with the halachas of an Am Haaretz, <laughs> right? which meant the Ragachover was telling him, and he took the time to scribble down every, that this whole question is Am Haaretz, it's not even worth my time, but I'm going to let you know about that. And what he did was, you can imagine, <laughs> when he realized, that's the type of thing you know that, that's very hard to live down. But that's who he was. He did not brook fools. And as, 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 as Rav Chaim, everybody knows when we talk about Rav Chaim Brisker, we talk about there's two dinim. There's two ways to look at that. Is it this or that? The Ragachavar usually had three ways to look at it. And they were all true in some extent. As opposed to what we usually get from the Brisker approach, which is this Rishon holds, it's this. That Rishon holds, it's that. And that explains their machlekas. The Ragachavar would show in Gemaras throughout Shas that a certain halacha is really a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of something else. For example, one of the things that we've been learning about in, uh, in our other learning is how truma is taken. What does it mean when somebody takes truma? So the Ragachavar said that, that there's actually three stages in what it means to take tvua, uh, to take grain, and that you have harvested, and to be and to separate and to call it truma, he says there's three levels. One is called birur, one is called kiddush, and one is called ptur. When you actually separate it, what you've done is that's called birur. What you've done is you've now zeroed in on where the truma is. The truma was all mixed up. You've now, through your action and thought, and maybe physically, now indicated that this is where the truma is. Now, that's when you actually separate it. But then there's another din, which is announcing it or making the bracha, and that's mekadesh, the truma. In other words, it's not just saying this is the truma that's going to become kadosh, but by announcing it, you're now mikadesh the truma. And now it gets all the dinam of truma that if a czar would eat it, be chayiv misa. But then there's a third aspect of truma, and that is indicating exactly where it is, the kviyas hamokom. So there's harama that there's going to be something separated. The second part is the pronouncement. 
And then the actual nitty gritty of where the spot is, that this is the truma part, he says that is the part, that is what creates the p'tur, that now the rest of the grain is now considered edible for a non-Kohen. And in, the, in, 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 in Sefer's Royim, on his Sefer on the Rambam, he then shows how each of these parts are really connected to various Gemaras and various places where you see each one is working. Um, that, and, 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 then he sh- and, and then the Ragged Shover then connects that to what happens whenever you have a mixture and that you separate stuff out of it. And he says that's what happens in every carbon mincha. And every carbon mincha, you have the birur, you have the kiddush, and then you have when you do the when you actually do the kmitza, uh, which is now matir or the rest of the uh, of the mincha for being edible for the rest of the kolanim. So you can see here that just from this little tidbit of what I'm telling you, that the Ragachavar understood things in a very complex way. And he was used to thinking about things in this complex manner, but it wasn't that he tried to impose it necessarily on the sources. He felt that the sources themselves lent them to this multifaceted approach. And it can only come really from a total mastery of every place in Shas, in Bavli and Yershalmi, in Tesefta, where actions of taking Truman and doing Kamitsa on a carbon apply. And again, when we talk about him way beyond, he does not quote a wealth of Rishonim. Um, he did not... Rabdovid Karliner, who many people feel was one of the greatest of his time, in his works, the Piske Halochos, he takes the Halochos of the Rambam, starting as a jumping off point of the Rambam, and then really develops every single Rishon that he's able to get his hand on. And that's something you see in the Chafetz Chaim as well, in his Sefer, Be'ur Halocha, on in the Mishnabura. The Ragachavar is 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 willing to take the Rishon when he wants to take the Rishon. But he is willing to uh to go beyond the Rishonim and disagree with them. A, a similar thing as you know people will say about the Vilna Gon. The Ragachavar did not believe he was bound by necessarily what had been standardized halacha up until that point. He didn't feel he had to operate within the the box of the Shulchan Aruch and the Paiskim. Um, and I, I, I'm going to give you a, a little sense of things here in the in this issue that really uh, was relevant to his own private life. So this is, I'm going to start here with a, a letter, a tshuva, that was written by Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg, and Aleph, I believe, Simon Lamed Aleph, writing to his um, inquisitor. Yeah, 
you wrote something that the Gon, now the Tzapnas Paneach, as we know, is the name that was given to the original Yosef. And of course, what we know, what it means is, is the person who was able to understand the hidden secrets. And that seemed to Rabbi Yosef Rosen to be the perfect name for himself, for his his work, because he was going to uh, he was going to open up all these things that were hidden. Tsofnas coming from the north, which is always the place that's hidden, he was going to be the one who would reveal and explain. That's why he called his safer Tsofnas Paneach, because his name was Yosef, and just like the original Yosef, who could divine things that seemed to be uh, unintelligible, he would be able to provide the understanding. So what did the Tzafnas Paneach, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Ragged Shover Goyen, write? He said a shocking thing. Chometz iser gavra. What? Chometz. It's also b'mashuhu. No. Chometz essentially isn't really a food that's oser. We as Jews cannot eat it. But it's an iser on us to eat what's chometz. It's not that the chometz is be'etzim oser. Wow. What's your proof? The Ragged Shavar brought a proof. Hmm. Let's say a person would eat chametz on Pesach. All right. Truma. Okay. We know when a person eats truma, b'shogeg, he has to pay the Kohen back plus a 20% carbon-like payment. That carbon-like payment to the Ragachover indicates what the Avera is. To pay the Kohen back for stealing his stuff, because this was supposed to go to him, that's a regular money issue. But the Chomesh, the 20%, the Ragachover reasons, is what is the, tells you the essential nature of the Avera. If you eat Truma on Pesach, you still have to pay back the 20%. Similarly, if you eat on Yom Kippur, Truma, you have to pay the 20% as well. Okay, but as the Rambam Paskins, a Nazir that drinks Truma wine only has to pay the coin back, but he doesn't pay the Chomish. Hmm, what's the difference? They're both Averos, right? For the Nazir, this wine is Osir. He becomes a Nazir. The wine is Osir. It's Yom Kippur. We can't eat any food at all. It's, 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 it's Pesach, and this wheat, this bread is, is Truma, and it's Chomets, and I'm eating it. What's the difference? So the Regatrover said that when something is usher from the Torah, when you have wine that's usher, a nozer makes wine usher. That's an is for him. The chefts of wine is usher. You don't pay a chomesh because you pay a chomesh when a zor eats truma. 
That's zikr, uh, an isr on the gavra. The isr is on the zor. The zor can't eat it. Lo yochal kodesh. It's an isr on the zor, not on the, the food. It's an achiva, but you can't do this achiva. When for this nazir and for all other nazirim, that's not really called drinking, the Rakhachavar said. An achilas isr is not an achila. Something where the object is verboten, then you're not, we don't call that an achila in the Torah. That's not called achila. True, it says, right? it says you should eat chilev, but still, there, in terms of paying the chomesh, paying the chomesh is when you actually did a maisa of achila that you shouldn't have done. But where the object itself was oser, he says that when the object itself is oser, we don't even consider that an achila of truma or a shtia of truma. But on chometz and Yom Kippur, v'mikri achilas iser klal. Why? Because there's no iser in the chepza. It's an iser on the gavra. The whole idea of paying the 20% is when you did something wrong. The whole is the locus of the Isser is you. But where the object itself is totally Osser, there the din of paying 20% doesn't apply. 20% is a, is a carbon for you, for the fact that you are, you violated what you shouldn't have done. And therefore, the Rakhachover wants to say and, and use many uh, proofs to this, that Chometz and Yom Kippur, despite the fact that Yechayev Kares, for both of them, the food itself is only an Isser, is not really an Isser that emanates from the food. The Isser is on the person, which then spills over in the food. The food is the, is the, is, is the way the person Nebuch does the Isser Daraisa through food. But the food itself is not Be'etzim Oser. That is what the Ragged Shover says. So, Ravi Chil Yaakov Weinberg says, well, that means you have to say that Nizirus is an Isser in the Chefza. On that, he says, I understand the Ragged Shover takes it as a Dover Poshet, but we know that Rabbi Yosef Mitrani, who lived 300 years before the Ragachover, or more, already wonders about what is Nazirus. Is Nazirus for the Nazir an Isra that emanates in, from the Nazir, Isra Gavra, or an Isra Chefza? In fact, he says, the great, brilliant Ktsaisa and his Sefer, the Avni Malulim, already says, not like the Ragachover. That, that really Nazirus, it's not that the wine becomes a chafetz of Isra. What is it? Nazirus, he says, is a tire of Kedusha that you take upon yourself to become a Nazir. It's a print, and again, we just had it in this last week's Parsha. It's a Torah Kedusha. It's a title of holiness that you embrace. But it doesn't necessarily register in each 
individual thing. I am a Nazar. And becoming a Nazar by taking that title that you have a right to take. So now all these other halachas apply to you. Now, he says, even though the Avni Meluim, as great as he was, known as the Ktsois, the, the king of Lamdis of the earlier part of the 19th century, he says, Hagon, Hanal, Lo The fact that the great Aryeh Leib Heller, Hakoyen, of the Avni Meluim writes this, he doesn't care. And I had a terrible fight with him. It was his own daughter that had two possible Yavamim, right? Yavmim. There were two possible, right? Two possible Yavmim. One of them was Mishumad, and it was nearby. He was a practicing Christian. And the second was living far away and was uh, a, a, a practicing total atheistic communist. And he said, you know, even though the Gaonim write, the other Gaonim, <laughs> the other Gaonim write and are quoted consistently that there's, that there's no Zika to a Mishumid. And if he was a Mishumid at the time that his daughter had gotten married and he continued to be Mishumid continuously, then according to that Shita Sagaonim, there is no Zika. And therefore, since there is another brother, the other brother would be the one to go and uh, you'd have to go search him out. But the Ragachavar felt that first of all, that Shita Sagaonim is Nidche as we saw a couple of weeks ago, we saw the strong, powerful words of Rashi that uh, tried to dissect and, and talk about how that psak is not to be accepted. But then the Ragged Shavar said that in his mind, the Mishomid is, what do you want me to do, to go to the Apikairis? The Apikairis, the communist, the non-believer, they're the same. The Ragachavar felt halachically there was no essential difference in terms of being disconnected from whatever the 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 uh, benefits and responsibilities of Judaism between a a non-religious person, totally atheistic non-religious person, and a Christian person. They're all the same. And since the Christian person is here, we're going to go to the Christian person. Va'ani, Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov said, Ani ha'asti ponai, ve'kasafti la'goin, and I wrote to him, she'das ha'ramah, ve'chein das ha'chsam sefer enokein. He quoted the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch in Hilchaz Yibam, that even though the, the, the shita, the ge'onim is nidche, we're still machmir in case there's another brother. And in case there's another brother, we go to the second brother. And in this case, there is a second brother. And so was the Posek Adar, the Chsam Seifer, wrote the saying that the Christians of his time were not to be considered pagans 
mm-hmm. and that they basically, despite the fact that they have a belief in Jesus, they basically follow the 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 constructs of 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 a moral life, and therefore they need to be treated almost with the same level as what we call a gertoshov in the shemitz of Noach. That that's the Meiri's shita. Um, this fellow, uh, as far as we know, you know, w- was not Machbed on Aver Menachai, um, was, you know, was involved in all different sorts of promiscuous acts too, possibly. Um, so we don't know that he was a Sheva Mitzvah's keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're correct. Uh, the Miri is actually fascinating because what did he believe about the belief in Jesus? What, did, did he believe that was Avodah Zarah or not? Um, but, but what, I, I think the central reason why Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg attacked, and we're going to see his attack in, 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 as we go along further, is that he believed that someone who decides to announce himself and go through baptism and live as a Christian is clearly disconnected from us and what we saw from the Gaonim uh, a couple of weeks ago about brotherhood and about being part of our people would apply to that, but would not apply to someone who willfully is Machal Shabbos and who uh, eats treif openly, who says he doesn't believe in God. Rebichil Yaakov actually wants to say that that person is, is more connected to us. He's the one who is in a way more of a brother, especially in this case, than someone who, even though he believes in the Bible, sees himself as not part of the Sinaitic tradition. Um, the Ragachover felt that that was a facile and incorrect uh, distinction, that they're both exactly the same. And I think this is a very important argument between the two. I hope I'm uh, clarifying it, and, and 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 because I think it really, you know, um, I know what I, Bob, you're trying to 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 push the thing about which one is the more the Oved Avodah Zarah. Um, right. Here we know that an Oved Avodah Zarah would still do Yibum. You could have you could have a an Oved Avodah Zarah who 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 does this Avera, but he still calls himself a Jew, and he would still you would still have the mitzvah of Yibum. Hmm. So that so you know this is you know here we want to say that this title is worse. In other words, the fact that he you went one time and you were involved and you haven't done shuva yet for slaughtering an animal to a false god wouldn't mean that yibum doesn't apply to you. You're a balavera that's going to that's chayiv skila for what you did. But you still would have the zika and the mitzvah of being connected to this widow. The question here was someone who is off the grid, as I said a couple of weeks ago. That's the question here. Mm-hmm. Rakhachavar didn't believe that that fellow, uh, the one who is living again a new sort of irreligious life. Remember the the type of twentieth century uh, communist atheist. They were talking about was a new. Somebody's a Meshumid, for example. Uh, they can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. 
Okay, that, okay, Bob, that might be true, but that's more of making a statement to others. It's not necessarily a, a fact that we halakhically feel that the person, and again, this is really the question, is he is he a guy? Rashi said, he's, remember Rashi said he's a Jew. He can't mm-hmm. escape that Kedusha. That was, was Rashi's point a couple of weeks ago. And, 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 and the Ragachava really rides that point home. And that's why the Rekha Trevor felt that the that the that that was the brother who we're going to take her to do chalitza to. Mm-hmm. We're going to have chalitza done there, um, despite the fact that he wouldn't have been buried in a, in a Jewish cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Rabbi Chil Yaakov felt that the Rekha Trevor was wrong, mm-hmm. that as difficult as it was to to have to find this other fellow, we were mechuyev to. And it wouldn't be considered a proper chalitza otherwise. Now, when he he quoted the the Ramon of some sefer, Bahagon Garbi Benazifa Gedola, he wrote back to me and he insulted me. And he and he, and he, he dismissed me. He insulted me like as if I was a nobody. And of course, he was the at this point, Vichil Yaakov. Had a, had a position as a lecturer and Rosh Hashiva of the Hildesheimer Seminary. Right? And he wrote the following. He said, he said this, this Weinberg wants to disagree with me? Who And this is a term that we have from uh, in, in Mesechtas Peah. is that the Aniyim who come after the old men who are walking on their canes, they come by again to scrape up the last of the matnos of the matonos that are left in the field. The namushos. He's like a he's he's like walking like this like, like like this poor fellow who's there after the field has been cleared. Who are the namushos? The Ramon Samsofer. Look how late they are in our history. Vaani, and I'm, I'm way, I'm on a higher level, <laughs> right? And, and you can see how how Rabbi Chiel felt he was being slapped in the face. Mm-hmm. Berlin, I told the rabbis of Berlin that even though I disagree, they have to listen to him. Shahu goin hador. Because he is the goan of the generation. What am I? I'm like a peel of garlic. <laughs> I'm like one of the layers of garlic, okay, which is thin and, and nothing. But even though I told the rabbis in Berlin, go ahead and have the Mishumid do the go ahead and approach him for the chalitza. But I myself won't listen to him. Ashkenazim follow the Because take a look at what's going on. You need to read not just the tea leaves, you need to know what's going on in literature. You need to see what the other Rabbanim are doing. You need to know what's happening outside of Denenberg. You have to know what's going on in these other cities and what are people doing? What is the history of halacha? And you'll see they are considered the Chassam Seifer. Chassam Seifer writes it. 
even though, again, some sofer died 19 years before the Ragged Trevor was born, some sofer. The same way we would speak about Ramesh Feinstein. The Saif Tavar HaMeshumid Lirotza Meshuvaf and Lachlites. What happened was they thought the Meshumid wanted to do it. But then when they realized, when they reached out to him, he said, no, he didn't want to do it. It seems the Ragachover at that point seemed to realize that the reality was showing him perhaps that he was wrong. After that, he stopped insulting me. He used to be whenever people would mention my name to him. They would come back to me. I guess everybody, you see over here, like I said, this is not your typical, all the Gedolim are <laughs> saints, right? Because clearly the Ragachover let people know when they mentioned Revichil Yaakov Weinberg to him that he was an Amoritz and he didn't know anything. He said after it turned out that he was having a tough time being able to get the Chalitza from that Mishumid, he stopped insulting me like that. Now, the truth is, is that at the time, every people knew about it. And someone I thought I was close to, Rav Chaim Oizer, who was considered the leader of, of European Jewry in so many ways. He, he, even though he wrote a very important Shuvah Sefer, Achiezer, and he could have included this and held forth on this very important topic, he did not want to discuss similar cases like this case. So it was many years later, Omar Lee, he told me, He did not want Rav Chaim Ezer to be seen against the fire of the Ragachover. And he, because he understood that who it was that I was fighting with. Even though I didn't mention Rav Yosef Rosen, he could tell from the letter that I wrote to the Rabbonim of Berlin that I was Misvakeach Degenagon Rabbi Yosef. Why am I telling you all this? You want to write in your book ideas based on the, the brilliant original, difficult to comprehend, but impossible to ignore ideas of the Ragachover. I want to tell you, he was amazing. He refused to submit at all to any authority of these generations that have forged what we now consider the Lithuanian super derech of learning and beyond. He refused to in any way submit to them. Milvadla Rambam. The only one he seems to take into account is Rambam. Why though? He was able to read in his own novel way, the Rambam, and to make, to have the Rambam agree to his personal way of thinking. 
Why? Because the Rambam, unlike the Ramban and the Rashba and the other uh, Rishonim who write so complete and total and go through their chuvos, the Rambam generally is shosek. The Rambam writes in, 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 in a crisp, necessary style, but he doesn't go into great length. And therefore, the Rambam's lack of explaining, and, 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 and although he does perhaps put a sentence or two there, that allows people like the Ragachover to insert what they want into the Rambam. And therefore, he says, the chidushim of this great man, the Ragachavel, Srichim Tomid Bidika. You need to check them out. Yes, they're original, they're brilliant. He seems to bring 50 proofs, but they seem to go against the fundamental teachers of Psak. Then he says, I don't even think he's right about the idea of Nazir being an Iser Cheftza. Uh, and he says, and he brings a proof. And again, I, I checked up this proof. He says, I don't think that's the reason. He says, I mean, you look at the Rambam and Hilchas Trumos, and you read it in line with the Shulchan Aruch, you'll see that the reason why the Nazir doesn't pay the Chomesh is because the Rambam has a big chidush in halacha. The Rambam says when a person discovers he's done an Isur, the Isur of eating Shruma by mistake, or drinking wine of Shruma when he didn't realize it was Shruma, a person is so upset by what has happened that it's not considered as if he got any benefit from it. He feels upset retroactively. And that's the reason why he doesn't pay. Unlike knowing that you ate truma, which is inherent, but when you know that on top of that, you, you're, you drank wine as well, so <laughs> it's, it's so painful to you that you don't pay for the truma. And again, this is a Chiddush that, that Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg says, I don't believe it's as logical as what the Ragachover says. He bases it on the Rambam, and there is a, a, a sense where it might be true, but it doesn't really, you really, it needs a lot more work. The way the Ragachover explains it, the reason why the Nazar doesn't, uh, the, the reason why the Nazar doesn't uh, pay the Chomesh is because the Chomesh carbon is for an Achila, a Shtia. Things that the Torah says that item cannot be eaten because the item sort of like radiates like 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 like, like a radiation of Isser. The dinam of, of truma of paying the of, of the twenty percent donor after he says that um everything I wrote here about the Ragachover and about Truma and about Nazir the truth is, is that I had forgotten about it. And I had to escape Germany. And many of the things that I wrote about this, unfortunately, I don't have the original documentation. 
and my memory has become weak, because of all the pain, and because of the illness that I went through, the emotional breakdown, the physical uh, physical uh, downtrodding that, that occurred, and they came up here in Switzerland with a with a means for me to get better. It was so strange what they wanted me to go through. They wanted me to go through electroshock therapy. Bizarum Electri Al Roshi. So I actually have had electroshock therapy. Maybe Phil Jakob Weiberg went through that in order to get him through what was a breakdown of what was occurring to him post the Holocaust. And, and sometimes what happens is I even forget what the words of davening are because my brain is so frazzled. And even when people come to visit me here in Switzerland and they speak to me in learning, I seem to be in a fog. I can't remember anything. I got your letter. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the whole Ragachover situation and everything that was connected to it, it all came back to me in clear exactitude. And I, you wrote me a book, you wrote me a letter, and I decided to write my notes about it. What happened? Things that I had forgotten. And I beg from God that he should give me a complete healing. And I should have my memory the way it was. And all those terrible things should be away from me. Because I take it as a punishment. For what? I don't know. Because of my many sins. So again, this piece that I read to you today is unique in, in response to literature in terms of how, again, you can see what that even in his pain, this battle that he had with the the Ragachover, in terms of what his approach was and how you need to approach halacha, uh, was something that you can see was 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 so crucial and vital. And despite the lip service that he gave to the Ragachover, he felt that the Ragachover was out of whack. You cannot overturn everything. You can't overturn the apple cart just because of your brilliance. And in fact, he almost implies that sometimes the the brilliant Gaonim, who are sort of like out of mind, out of place, that they should be shunted to the side, maybe appreciated and read and wondered about, but not necessarily accepted and used in any halakhic way, shape, or form. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.